0: the stop ruining my childhood podcast a sometimes nostalgic sometimes cynical look back at pop culture join us as we revisit movies cartoons and live action tv of the 80s and 90s and ask the question does this hold up or did i just ruin my childhood my name is megan
1: and i'm steve
0: And today we are talking about He-Man. Before we get started, this is our first episode that we're recording. And we wanted to talk a little bit about um, why we wanted to do this podcast and and why we named it Stop Ruining My Childhood. So basically, this kind of came about from two different things. The first is that um, Steve and I are married and we had very different childhoods. Is that how maybe how you would put it?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I would say we had definitely very different childhoods. You had a, I had a little bit more um, open childhood, and you had a little bit more of a. Um, uh, secluded I was very sheltered sheltered uh childhood yeah I would say so
0: I was very I was very sheltered now I will say my my parents if they're listening I, I had a wonderful childhood thank you so much but yeah so Steve and I have a have very different childhoods and yet we have all of these like sometimes similar and sometimes very different memories of pop culture so like there were shows that i was not allowed to watch that steve (laughs) watched and i watched like in high school um and there were um there are other things that we both really loved and enjoyed Uh, so what very often happens is that one of us will be thinking back in the past and looking back nostalgically and um, and the other person will kind of ruin it. <laughs> and so very often we say to each other, stop ruining my childhood. Um, and then we thought, well, what if we had a podcast where we talked about all those things and we said, let's look at some cartoons and TV shows and movies and ask the question, like, do these hold up? Um, the other reason is because, you know, if you look at the news, A lot of times people throw around terms like boomer and millennial and Gen Z, and and Gen X gets left out of that a lot. Now, if you're not Gen X, you can still enjoy this show, but really our childhoods, what we're looking at are basically very end of the 1970s till like maybe 1999, maybe 2000, but most of it will be in that middle pocket. Uh, 80s. 80s and 90s. 80s and 90s yeah 80s and 90s maybe a few things on the edges but for the most part 80s and 90s.
1: So um, before yeah. we get started we should say this is a warning do not try this at home. This is <laughs> like the worst thing you could do is to take cherished beloved memories of your childhood and then look at them from a nostalgic somewhat cynical adult lens and realize that they're not the rainbow-colored glasses memories that you had.
0: Yeah, I think, or watch along with us. Like, that's, yeah. the, other, that's the other option. Um, yeah, so that's basically the question. The question is, does this hold up, right? And um, we have so many things, and He-Man is one of them, which we're going to get into in a minute. He-Man is one of them. We have so many things that are rebooted, remade, sequels. Um, The Ghostbusters movie just came out, right? They're having another Scream. It's 25 years since the first Scream, which is like crazy to me. Um, And they did two reboots of He-Man, which we're gonna talk about. But yeah, that's another thing. Like I think a lot of times people are revisiting this stuff and and kind of trying to remake it for a new generation. And also sometimes for the people who loved it. So um, before we get started, every time we're gonna have like a nostalgic snack and today um, if you can hear that shaking it is pop rocks
1: so this episode is brought to you by pop rocks the candy that possibly could kill you just like it killed Mikey
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, not officially too that's not like an official plug and especially if, if I put these pop rocks what? in my mouth and I like hate them
1: if you guys remember <laughs> Megan you probably remember. But for the longest time, there was this the urban legend that Mikey from Life Cereal had yes. died drinking Pop Rocks and Coke.
0: Pop That he put Pop Rocks in his Coke and he ate both. And I think he like, well, I'm assuming he's still alive. I think he's like yes. a Hollywood agent Ma- or No,
1: Mikey is John Gilcrest, and he's oh. <laughs> still very much alive. But he didn't do much acting after it, so people just assumed he disappeared. And this urban myth came up, and he he was asked about it once, and he's like, I have no idea why that came about. He said, That's to be so honest, random. interestingly enough, he doesn't even remember doing the Life cereal commercial.
0: Oh, because he was, so was like little. three
1: and a yeah. half. But somehow, for the longest it. time, I remember as a kid hearing, don't drink Pop Rocks with Coke or you'll die. <laughs> I remember as a
0: kid not being allowed to have Pop Rocks. <laughs> Again, that sheltered child. I want to say right off the bat, as steves uh, eating his he's got grape i've got strawberry the the smell is quite uh intoxicating amazing amazing oh and i heard the other day how pop rocks came to be so this is actually kind of cool um while yours are dissolving i don't want both oh, yeah. of us to just be sitting here
1: with yeah take it
0: so they were actually trying to find a way to hold on no, oh, no, that's so gross. That there you is, go. Maybe I, I just put rock. the
1: microphone next to my Pop Rocks mouth. <laughs>
0: um they were trying to find a way to put um the like the the bubbles that are in pop the
1: carbonation I, I don't
0: drink pop. Sorry. Yeah, the carbonation mm-hmm. into Kool-Aid. And basically accidentally um discovered Pop Rocks because by the time people were making the Kool-Aid it was flat
1: ah so, that makes sense so the
0: guy picked up a bunch of the um the little rocks here and tossed them in his mouth and was like oh it's just it's just this like you don't try to get people to then if you remember um back in the early 80s and i don't know if it's still now but kool-aid used to come just in a powder like a, just keg, a powder, just a powder keg and you would have to sometimes mix sugar in so my um my babysitter, whose house I would go to before and after school, um, she would put, like, extra shit. Like, it called for, like, three cups, and she would yeah. put, like, four. <laughs> yeah.
1: If you were a hooligan or a juvenile mm. delinquent like me and the kids that I hung out with, you would get yourself a pack of Kool-Aid and then cut lines with it and snort it. Oh, no. Which is not, again, not healthy. Yeah, don't run but my... when you're a kid, you think it's the greatest thing.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. This is the best. I have to say... <laughs> I have had these as a kid a couple times. This is fantastic. <laughs> I told you, it's amazing. <laughs> so, we'll see if He-Man holds up, but I have to tell you, Pop Rocks, we're judging things today on um, juice, box,
1: juice, juice boxes. Juice yes. boxes,
0: yes. Juice boxes. Every time we'll have kind of a different criteria, but Pop Rocks, for me, five out of five juice boxes. 100%. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. My, I, I would give Pop Rocks five out of five juice boxes.
0: We're going to take a pause here, and when we come back, we'll talk about our memories, and then we'll go into the full review and recap.
1: So getting into He-Man and the Masters of the Universe.
0: So talk about your memories of He-Man, and then I'll talk about mine a little bit.
1: My memories of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe were coming home from school, and it was on TV. He-Man was on right. at, at like 3, 2.30, 3 o'clock, probably somewhere in that area. And so it was on, I think, four days a week? I'm not sure if they did Fridays was different, but it was on at least four, maybe five days a week. I recall coming home. What
0: about Saturday and, morning?
1: You know when I where I was and when I was watching He Man, I don't recall it on Saturday mornings. There was a okay. whole different group of Saturday morning cartoons. But I could look forward to He Man. He Man and GI Joe were after school, and it was it was. It, I mean, I just have great memories of He Man. I loved He Man. I had some of the action figures. It, it's it's one of those things that when I think of cartoons that pops in my head
0: this podcast is supported by its creators
1: and listeners like you
0: help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website stop there
1: you can find links to our social media
0: and this very podcast you're currently listening to
1: Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page.
0: And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast.
1: And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well.
0: We also post bonus content about once a month.
1: So like, subscribe, and follow.
0: For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now, back to the show.
1: Along with, like I said, G.I. Joe, probably Transformers. Those are the cartoons I remember. Thundercats, Voltron. But He-Man is definitely in, in the top five that I, that I can think and of.
0: And we're definitely going to talk about all of those now, later.
1: Now, interestingly enough, as a girl, because I think of He-Man as a boy cartoon, yeah. what was your experience with He-Man? Yeah,
0: so mine's a little bit different. It's definitely... my. So my brother is four and a half years younger than me. And my earlier memories of he-man are like at my babysitters like boys would be watching it and we would like go play Barbies in the other room because it was on after school right and so but even then i think like kindergarten for me steve's a couple years older than me not by much but a little Mm -hmm. bit enough that at that age it matters right Um, When my brother, being four and a half years younger, it was the toys. It was all about the toys. Mm -hmm. So I think, if I'm recalling correctly, he had the castle and some of the figures, um, He-Man, Skeletor, like those, but like used, right, um, in the way that a lot of our uh, toys, my parents are both teachers, so (laughs) they're always getting toys from people. And he would just be like in his room playing with them. And I don't know by that point, you know, the cartoon that we learned, which was surprising to me, was only on. It was only made for two years, but they made like 140 episodes in yeah, those two was, years. Yeah, they made a lot. Yeah. So it might have been on at that time in syndication, and I'm sure if I had asked him, I'm sure he watched it. But I think for him, it was more about the toys.
1: I was going to say that, but you know, it doesn't surprise me that Tim would have gotten like hand me down He Man because I remember. I mean, He Man went for a long time toy wise, but. Like, I feel like I was watching He-Man and its prime, and Tim is like six years younger than right. me. Right. means he was one when it first came out. Right,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing. By the time he was like four or five playing with the toys, I don't know that it was on or as big of a thing. Right. And and that's actually, if by the way, if you are interested in He-Man, there's a great special on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. We're not sponsored officially by Netflix either, <laughs> but um, just like we're not officially sponsored by Pop Rocks, though we could be. I would, I would sell the heck out of Pop Rocks.
1: Yeah. Pop Rocks, if you're still out there, look us up.
0: <laughs> but definitely look us up. the uh, The toys that made us kind of explains that the toy came first, and that's actually when we a couple episodes from now we're going to talk about Strawberry Shortcake, and that was actually cards before the shows. Um, But I thought it was so fascinating that the toys came first, because for me, that's my memory, is just, (laughs) basically just the toys. And also, you would think that I might have watched She-Ra, but I was like, no. (laughs) That's still, um, I was a really girly girl, but I also have particular tastes in in types of animation that I like, and even as a kid, that style of animation I just didn't enjoy. So, let's go into, uh, the episodes. We're gonna talk about He-Man first.
1: We watched two episodes, and then we we watched we watched a quick w- one of the new re
0: We watched reboots one of the new summits. reboots and and we also separately watched the Kevin Smith reboot which we'll talk about very briefly um, and not too long so that we don't hear any ranting or sinister. Yes. <laughs> Although we are ruining people's That's childhood. That's my wife so. trying to
1: keep me in check. <laughs> That's, yeah. So we so, didn't pick like the first episode or last. We, because we watched them on YouTube now. Right. We just kind of chose two episodes that they had.
0: And I think you can find them on other streaming services. It's just not streaming services that we have currently, but there are a number of people who have uploaded things to YouTube. And that is where we found this show. So the first episode was eternal darkness, um do you want to kind of explain the plot? You want to run down the plot? You know,
1: this was to be honest this was probably a great um episode to start with because I, really I don't it. remember this episode at all. It's one of the few episodes that has does not have Skeletor in it, right. which of course is the big main bad guy for He-Man, and he's not in this at all. Instead, they've got Dark Dream, who's some guy I never recall being a bad guy in He-Man.
0: It might have been the only episode he was in for, it, all, it, for it all we know. It Could have
1: been the only episode. Yeah. Um, you know, it did it did still have um, evil in. Who Who normally is is, the, is like the second in command of Skeletor But in this episode, she's working for this dark dream guy Who apparently has the power to influence nightmares on people
0: Right, so he's been in prison uh, The episode starts with He-Man having a, a nightmare He comes out of it uh, His cat is having a nightmare as well yeah. Cringer. Um, cringer. You know, if
1: you're gonna come, come correct.
0: I always called him Tigger. This is again my <laughs> memories of E Man. Um so Cringer is also having a nightmare. They come out of it, then they show the king and the queen having nightmares in separate beds, by the way, which was like so Yeah. We'll, yeah get into, we'll get into, into that. that. Um and the, And then they they realize that it must be this villain who has been in prison for a while and now he's out. So now they have to um, get him again, basically, right? So um, first thoughts right off the bat, for me... Well, there's two things. First, the the person who... um, was He-Man and Adam. Adam is uh, the Prince Adam when he's not He-Man, right? When he's not transformed. I thought that the voice acting was really good. I, I was kind of surprised. He had different voices that he did for each side of that character. And it wasn't... I don't know how to put this other than like it wasn't cartoony, right? It like sounded like a real voice. And then my second thought what my second thought which I think I said out loud was, "Wait, the cat talks?" because <laughs> I had I have seen this like like I said like kind of in the background and I don't think I've ever sat through a full episode. So that <laughs> the cat's voice is so ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous, um, yeah. But it was a really good premise, kind of like a Nightmare on Elm Street sort of thing. Um,
1: I thought the voice acting was was good too. Looking back on it now, like I said, I love the cartoon. Yeah. But I'll even say, to be honest, looking back on it, the animation's quite good.
0: Yeah, I and I want to kind of compare it later on to the other to the two reboots because the animation is quite different for all three mm-hmm. of these. They had a couple times where oh, this is my this is what I hate about this style of animation. Two things: one, that the women are. Um, very sexualized which is one of the things i think that bothered me about it as a even as a younger kid
1: yeah surprisingly we're on different ends of the spectrum on that. <laughs> yeah
0: um and i mean he man sexual uh, sexualized too and you know what i mean with the big muscles and mm-hmm. all of that so you can't really say that it just goes one way but um i just don't yeah i i don't like that and then the second thing is that they have a couple scenes like scooby-doo kind of animation where they're like looping it so like they're running yes and it's the
1: same yeah and <laughs> i'll say same. i noticed that as an adult looking at it there's a number and this is probably has to do as we just mentioned probably has to do with the fact that they made like 140 episodes yeah, right they're, they're they were achieve. cranking out these 20 minute episodes without the commercials in them yeah and so there's a lot of where there, there's a lot of pieces where they're reusing cells But the you can tell like every time he changes the he man it's the same cells they're reusing right if they're running they're using the same cell a few times over and over but I
0: have to say the landscapes were amazing they're very painterly which Mm -hmm. was surprising to me that what I mean by that is that if you if you do go back and watch it the the landscapes have a lot of times they're up in the sky flying on different vehicles and stuff. Um, they look like watercolor paintings. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really, really well done. My other question... Oh, okay. So this is a question that, again, as somebody kind of ignorant of this show. So, I knew the saying, by the power of Greyskull, I have the power. Right? Which annoys me, too, because I hate when, when things rhyme where the word rhymes with the same word. But anyway. Um, like, why not by the throne of Greyskull? I have the... I don't know. My... But my thing is, it is Castle Greyskull. Right. Right. And he's typically defending it from Skeletor. Yes, but by their very names, it seems to me that it's pretty clear who should be in that. Castle.
1: Well, you know, interestingly <laughs> enough, originally I think they set it up that that was supposed to be Skeletor's base. Right, because like he man has a
0: totally different. But castle. then it,
1: with this, with the with the the whole. Toy, the cartoon that came into play and trying to create a story and actually even before the cartoon they were the little tiny comic books that came with the right they came with the with toys the, with the toys. I think they started having to write a story around this and it became, you know, Gray Skull was where the power came from and so He Man had to defend that from Skeletor who wanted the same power. He wanted to get the power that was in Skull. And then you had the sorceress who turns into a bird. We didn't see her in this episode, but we see her in the next episode. In the next one. Right? Um, she turns into a falcon. And so, because that's, it's kind of part of the deal, if I remember right. Um, she can't leave Skull unless she's in the bird form.
0: I feel like everybody can hear me eating more Pop Rocks. Right now.
1: Um, but <laughs> yeah,
0: it, Steve was going to explain stuff. It right. was great.
1: It was interesting. But what I'll go into is some of the things that hit me was when we talk about story, right? I, yeah. I love it, and I remember these being phenomenal stories. As I'm looking back, you know, there was a few things that jumped out at me. Um, you know, I thought that um, th- they also added Tabor in this episode, who was, like, another henchman under the under Dark Dream. And B- I've never seen Tabor ever before in any of the He-Man stuff, either. And he was the guy who was, like, a sorcerer, too. Yeah. And he had, like, this terrible, like, rhyming spell.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, so... T- yeah, so Tabor is, like, making up rhyming spells and kind of getting it wrong. And I think what they are doing there... Well, first I want to say in terms of storytelling and this kind of connects to tabor i liked that this is a cartoon that's very clearly for older kids if you watch a lot of cartoons coming out now they're either for adults or they're for very young children like things like paw patrol the new muppet babies which is just uh, that's a whole other podcast (laughs) episode Mm -hmm. but they're they're really kind of um they're, a lot of them are based on learning, like, not just a lesson at the end, but really, like, learning things like right. shapes, numbers, right? So I kind of was like, this is a cool cartoon that they they try to put a lesson in at the end, which we'll talk about later. But really, it's just the story, right? It's just for kids to enjoy the story and have fun with the story and in the world and with the characters, which I thought was cool. And I think what they're doing with Tabor is that Dark Dream is a is. Legitimately a scary figure like Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. I'm getting that right, right? It's Freddy, not Jason. Okay, (laughs) that's again a different when we come to our Halloween podcast. But um, I think that. They try to lessen that a little bit with Tabor to be like, but the bad guys are kind of doofuses and they don't know what they're doing, yeah. right? So that you're not kind of as afraid. It, it, again, in terms of some of that storytelling and world building with the characters, I still don't know who Orko is. I watched two episodes of this show plus the two reboots. I'm not clear on what that is or what it does. Or
1: Orko is a fool. He's the comic relief I, I remember but is as a he kid,
0: elf? Like, I don't...
1: I, you know, he's like a wizard, and you never see his face. Okay, and, and he floats around. I I, re, I will tell you, I remember as a kid being like Orko's a fool,
0: right? Like, but they never. I didn't explained. like Orko as
1: a, as a child either, and I don't I don't recall anyone who ever did. But the the premise of this show, and in case those of you out there, if you're listening, that didn't watch this episode, right? <laughs> the premise of it is that this dark dream guy escapes from this prison. And he can only really be at full power at nighttime. Mm -hmm. So he has this sidekick of his, Tabor, um, work with Eva Lin to move the moon so it eclipses the sun so that it's dark all the time and he can then rule Eternia. Right. Um, Things go wrong because Tabor really can't control this and the moon starts coming towards the planet and it becomes like a major, like you know world ending event if it would be um, which i
0: think they even say to him they're like you know that like the planet would die you would probably die yeah. with the planet and he's like i don't care
1: <laughs> one of the things that jumped out to me too in the logic aspect of this is that if you recall they had been a few of them got captured a few of the good guys were man-at-arms was captured tila was captured yeah. and the sorceress came out as a falcon and got captured as a falcon. What really got me is someone said, "Well, the only one that has the power to stop this moon is the sorceress, but she can't but she's in a falcon form and she can't let people know that that's her form, like that's her secret." And I remember going, "Wait a second. The sorceress's secret that she's a falcon is more important than the entire planet being destroyed."
0: <laughs> yeah, there I mean, there are a lot of logical things like that. The um I also, having never seen this, like, I don't know if I'd come into the pilot if they would explain things, but I doubt it. <laughs> because most of the kids watching probably have the toys and the comic books. Yeah. But um, it's pretty clear to see who Tila is, right? She's Man-at-Arms' daughter. daughter. Yep. And they're both kind of, like, royalty. Like, she would maybe be, like, a lady waiting in court.
1: Yeah, Man-at-Arms is, like, the captain of the guard. And right. Tila is his daughter, so she's been raised so, up, yeah, kind of. As so a...
0: let's talk about the world building, too, because... <laughs> they have this whole fantasy thing and there's a castle and there's swords and then and then they also throw in Steve's going for more pop rocks here. Uh-huh. Um but they also then throw in these like flying vehicles all of a sudden and I'm like, "Oh wait." So in some sense it's it's confusing. In another sense I really did by the time we got to the end of the, like, the second episode, I liked that blend of science fiction and science fan. Like it's, it really mm. is science fantasy, right? It really it's not is. fantasy and it's not sci-fi. Um, just pure. It really is a nice mixture. But with the sorceress, I was like, who is this? Is she an immortal? There are people listening. This is why I'm ruining your childhood. Cause I know that somebody is getting angry at me right now.
1: Yeah. But I is, understand your pain. Is, is she immortal?
0: There. Also, we go through this episode, and then all of a sudden, He Man's like Sorceress, we need you, and her face appears, and she's doing this like telepathy, and she's like, He Man, I will fly to you in my form as a falcon, and I'm like, Wait, she has telepathy? Like, it, to me, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, so there are a number of things like that that I was just kind of um, kind of perplexed about, but also I think if you're a kid you know neuroplasticity is real right and you just kind of go with it yeah. <laughs> and you don't there's a lot less questioning and uh well and we're here to analyze obviously so we're looking at things a little bit differently
1: so let's talk about the elephant in the room the king and the queen sleep in separate beds
0: yeah okay
1: yeah. man-at-arms has no wife and Tila looks suspiciously like the queen Okay, I think there was some... Now as an adult looking back, ruining my own childhood, I think there was some hanky-panky going on behind the scenes.
0: You know that it doesn't work that way, though, right? Like, if, if like, man-at-arms was woman-at-arms and had, like, a daughter that looked like the king... That would make sense, but it doesn't work the other
1: way. She could have had this baby. This, this, this <laughs> and they just, like, gave I mean, it away. If, if you, don't no, remem- you don't remember. You don't remember, but when she comes around years later, all of a sudden the queen had twins, Adam and Shira's character. Oh. And we never heard about this. So the okay, queen wait. has shown that she can cover up a baby, okay? I don't just. Dis-
0: so here's. Now we get to the point where if there are fans listening, they're going to turn it off. Because I thought that She-Ra and He-Man were together.
1: No, they're twins! (laughs) I didn't
0: know that part. (laughs) I didn't know that part of it. (sighs) Okay. I think at one... Now that I'm thinking of it, I think at one point somebody gave me a used uh, She-Ra on a... Did she have a horse?
1: She had a flying horse, yeah. it Was Was it like a white horse? Yep.
0: Okay, yeah. I think I might have had that. Um, And I, I probably... Like, mix that with my Barbies. But anyway, so let's talk about, um, the lesson at the end. <laughs> the lesson at the end, which was, if you have a bad dream, you can... It was
1: about bad dreams. Yeah, you <laughs> can Everyone go tell Everyone has bad that. dreams, and if you have a bad dream, don't be afraid to tell an adult.
0: Which is a nice lesson. Um, the lesson at the end of the second episode, which we're going to talk about, uh, in a second, Keeper of Ancient Ruins, um... I said to Steve, I look at Steve and I go, wouldn't it be hilarious if the lesson has to do with you should go to museums? And sure enough,
1: that was <laughs> that the lesson. Was the
0: lesson. <laughs> knowledge is also power. One way of getting knowledge is to go to local museums. I was like, I was, I really, I almost cried. I was laughing so hard. So the Keeper of the Ancient Ruins was our second episode. And here we have... Um, Had some other questions But we have a professor character Who looks exactly like Albert Einstein Just like
1: Albert Einstein It's
0: basically Albert Einstein in cartoon form
1: This is like when Scooby-Doo used to have celebrity guests On the cartoon (laughs) That's what I felt like here
0: And um, they are Trying to translate an ancient book Which wakes up Robots that are A thousand years old Which is really Again, some interesting world building.
1: We had no idea in Eternity because technology and fantasy in, seem in to Eter- go hand in hand.
0: In Eternity, yeah. Uh, yes. So there's thousand-year-old robots. They're woken up. Um, and, then, uh, and then I forgot what happened after that.
1: <laughs> they wake up, and they're supposed to protect this book, and they think that man in arms and Albert Einstein are trying to, like, steal it. And so they go after them, and... They have the, these robots have the ability to freeze people in time.
0: Right. And also, one of them is injured. And so, they're trying yes. to help that robot. And the robots seem very wary of humans, like as if there was some kind of human robot war a thousand but years ago. We never hear anything about we that. We never know anything about that. And then we come to uh, Tila and, uh, and He Man have taken a vehicle and it's crashed. Right. So they're trying to repair it. And in the meantime, Trapjaw comes in, um, who is, in my notes, I put a lot more ridiculous than deep dark. (laughs) Also, the thousand year old robot remembers He-Man from this Bible. Like he says, oh, yes, He-Man, we know of you from ancient scripture. And then it's never talked about again either. So we don't really know... um, have there been other He-Mans? Is this a power, like a sword that's passed down from one He-Man to the, like, yeah. the dread pirate He's like
1: the champion of Greyskull. So my assumption was, as an adult looking back now, that... There's probably been champions before that have had the power of Gray Skull, and that that's what their connection is to him. Because my other
0: my other possibility was that like he is the one foretold of in the ancient that scriptures. could have been
1: too. I guess I don't know, but we, we <laughs> really weren't one. we weren't really going that deep. I don't think. Um, so
0: Trapjaw, can you talk about him a little bit? Was yeah. he a big was he a big villain?
1: I mean, there was a lot of toys. Trapjaw, jaw was one of Skeletor's men. Again, okay. we have no Skeletor in this episode, right? Um. But we have Trapjaw who is looking to impress Skeletor and he sees he, he sees Prince Adam and Tila in the Wing Raider, mm-hmm. which this is another thing. The Wing Raider was a great little cool vehicle. It's a flying vehicle. I had it as a toy, and one of my irritations even as a child was that the toy only fits one action figure. But in the cartoon, two action two people fit in the Wing Raider. But then I felt chip I felt cheap.
0: Well, how would they get you to buy two of the Wing Raiders? Nessie. If they if they let both
1: Right. Of them so back. they were trying to take advantage of me as a child and I don't care for that.
0: Yeah, which you get which you get if you watch that special on Netflix that yeah. this whole thing is just like how can we well, get the most money out of games? That's kids?
1: the other thing though too, is the toys came first. So the yeah. Wing Raider that only fits one was original. The cartoon for no reason added two people.
0: Yeah, I also, we didn't talk about this, in, was this in this episode or the last episode where they had, they were on like, um, it looked almost like the sea dews, the little like, but in Yeah, the air. that was the
1: first episode. Yeah, they were on. Those um, are really cool. Yeah, they were like little, they were they were almost. Like
0: scooters kind of, but for the sky. They
1: were for the sky, yeah. yeah but they, they looked, looked
0: like those sea dews They had little eagle
1: them. heads on the front, yep. <laughs> and they were like, you know what they reminded me of? They look like. You're like, like, sea or jet skis, but they fly. And all they can remind me of is the movie Flash Gordon. Mm. They use something very similar to that. Yeah.
0: And and again, a lot of the toys were like reused.
1: <laughs> they were reused. Yeah. yeah they they um, took a lot of things. But there. I keep
0: having in my notes as well uh, why does Tila not know? How does Tila not know? He Man looks essentially the same, but with no shirt. And the, but is that, especially the cat? So. Cringer, does he have another name when he's transformed? Battle Cat. Battle Cat. So Cringer and Battle Cat are both green cats with orange stripes.
1: And and, and, and just to point out, (laughs) the only (laughs) tigers that are green with orange stripes that we ever see in Eternia.
0: So that's the thing. So even if you were, you know, this whole like Clark Kent Superman dynamic that both of these characters have, it is a lot like that. It's like taking off the glasses, like taking off the shirt, the
1: same blonde Prince Valiant haircut.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the haircut. I at one point, as all little girls do, uh, I cut my own hair, and I gave myself some some really nice bangs. And I have very thick curly hair, so that the haircut did not work on me. A bob with bangs, and my mother was like, "You look like Prince Valiant," and I was like, "I don't know what that means."
1: She could have. And she she have like, said "You look like he man."
0: I think at one point she did, and she also said, "The little Dutch boy on the paint can." I don't know if you remember. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so if you um, if you remember Prince Valiant from the cartoon strips in the newspaper, taking that out with silly putty and all that.
1: The other thing about this episode, getting back to the robots, is the robots looked very similar to Rosie, the maid from the Jetsons. Yeah. Um. And and at Lockjaw's whole purpose here. Lockjaw is trying to capture them so that he can impress Skeletor. Again, just to cause more strife in the cartoon. They end up overcoming them, and that, you know, Adam is able to sneak away and turn into He-Man, save Tila, um, fix the robot. They,
0: they the professor fix the, fixes
1: the professor robot. The professor fixes the robot. The robots become their friends. And in all's well that ends well, the robots time-freeze Lockjaw, and then He-Man takes him off to some work camp, which I, I never really heard of before okay, either. Okay,
0: now, in the midst of this, we are we are overlooking the highlight, I think, of this episode, and that is that a storm is a-coming.
1: Oh, my And God. He-Man...
0: Goodness. He-Man... Takes his sword, creates a very large circle, and we're like, oh, was he going to do a spell? No, no. He creates a circle, stomps on the earth, makes a hole, and then tell the people yeah. what happened.
1: Yeah. He draws, looks like he's drawing the circle with his sword. Yes. But he cuts into the earth and makes, like, I'd say maybe a 50-foot round yeah, circle. Yeah, yeah. Opens it like a can. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, that's and a good way of putting it. the
1: thunderstorm clouds go into the earth, and then he closes well, it, and hit, it's all done. He,
0: so I don't know if you can picture a circle with the can, like kind of, uh, you're taking the lid off the can, right? You pop the can lid up, and it's kind of half sticking up. So the storm hits that, and then falls into the hole.
1: <laughs> Keep in mind that this thing is only maybe 40, 50 feet in the air.
0: And, and the and I, storm cloud Steve hits it. Steve and I are both taking notes, and he turns around to look at me, and we're both like, I don't even know what just happened <laughs> I have just traps a storm, question mark. And yet, at the same time, I have to say, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I, lo- I don't... Even as a kid, I did not like, and we're going to, at some point, we'll get to, like, maybe Inspector Gadget Mm -hmm. or um, a pup named Scooby-Doo because Scooby-Doo came out in the 60s, but a pup named Scooby-Doo was, like, the remake. I don't like any show that's too formulaic, but especially some of these cartoons that would basically have the same plot over and over and over. So it was really surprising to me how, in some ways, original these plots are. Now, do you have... A superhero type plot good guy versus bad guy guy turning into the superhero right all of those tropes are there but the story themselves of fighting a guy who's taking over your dreams um and him trying to make it dark this story where you know the lockjaw thing is kind of or trap sorry trapjaw (laughs) not lockjaw um but the trapjaw thing is really a side thing the central thing is that There's an ancient text that robots are protecting. It's in this kind of museum thing, and they are concerned that these um, texts are going to be interfered with or used for the wrong purposes. So, yeah, it was a lot more original than I thought.
1: The other positive that I really liked about this episode specifically is when you think about it, the solution of the problem was fixed without violence
0: yes yeah that's true okay
1: even the robot that was injured got injured by running into another robot Mm -hmm. now trap jaw has a gun a laser gun and he fires at people but he never hits them um he's like a stormtrooper apparently but um or he fires and he-man just blocks it with his power sword (laughs) but there's no the actual the robots kind of like freeze trap jaw and so there's no real violence in that he's like in stasis and then Man-at-Arms and Professor Einstein fix the robot and then talk to the robots and basically explain that they're peaceful, we have no we have no mean to harm you, we don't want to take your stuff, and they solve the problem through talking instead of He-Man punching the problem away.
0: Right, yeah, they're trying to translate this text, and right. that's what they're there to do. You're right, yeah, so that is that is kind of interesting. And then we get this nice lesson about knowledge is power and go to museums. Go to museums, which yeah. Which is one of our favorite yeah. things to do.
1: Now, these were forced lessons.
0: Yeah, they were definitely forced
1: lessons. The, the, fa- the, the Coalition for Family Values, well, it said that basically any cartoons in the 80s that had violence or shooting or warfare or whatever had to have some sort of a moral at the end, which is why G.I. Joe also had a moral at the end.
0: Yeah, they reminded me of, um, I don't. I think these went on for quite a long time, too, because I remember one from Psych, and that was in the 2000s. But the NBC, The More You Know, little uh-huh. commercials, um, like, Got Junk in Your Trunk? That's making your. If you have too much things in the trunk of your car, that's making it run not as efficiently, and you could save gas by taking the junk really? out of your trunk. Yeah, and then it would be like the more you know, ding. Um, and and that was the psych one, mm-hmm. but other little little lessons like that that they'd sprinkle sometimes throughout these shows. So that was kind of interesting. So that was um that was He Man the original.
1: He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. He-Man and the
0: Masters of the Universe. So the Kevin Smith reboot is Masters of the Universe Revelation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they changed the name after the reviews came out or if that was always the I don't, name.
1: I think they left. Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Um. So just briefly, um, as somebody who was not uh, a fan of the original, I think the idea of having a passing of the torch from one character to another is a good way to reboot a series. I don't think that that's the worst way to go about things. But they, they did not do it the right way, in my opinion. So just for people who don't know, can you kind of just recap a little bit of what happens in, in the first episode?
1: The first episode, they, He-Man dies. And so does Skeletor. And so does Skeletor. which is like the worst way to start a series. Um, I understand the passing of the torch, but the cartoon is called He-Man. I mean, everyone tunes in to see Um, He-Man.
0: What's interesting, too, is that they talk about this in the... So all of... These are both on Netflix, and I I don't want to keep harping on this toys that made us show, but they talk about the fact that when they tried to expand the toys to more villains and more heroes and stuff... A lot of people didn't like that. They just wanted to be able to play with He-Man and Skeletor and those sold out very quickly. So it was difficult for kids later on to get the original, like, two. And I just think... I also think that it was advertised the wrong way. And I think that if they had been up front and they had said... We have a series. It's going to be called Masters of the Universe. It's based on the world in which He-Man lived. And then they start like just episode two and it's just Tila (laughs) and Evelyn. or I think they call her Evelyn instead of Evelyn. Um, I think that that would have been good. I did not like the animation. The backgrounds and the characters in the foregrounds did not mesh correctly. Mm -hmm. And I think... My guess is that one of them was done maybe traditional and one was done computer. I'm not sure. But to me, visually it didn't it didn't sync up.
1: I just don't I'm not gonna go into a lot of it. I I, I was taught if you don't, you know, have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well <laughs> so then we'll but, move on. <laughs> but I will say, you know, I did have an issue in I had an issue in even the way that pe- the characters were repainted a little bit. They obviously threw in a lot of characters that were traditional characters to kind of play off people's nostalgia, mm-hmm. but then they went through quick transitions and changes very fast. You know, Tila, who becomes the main character of the series for the most part, her complete her entire attitude and personality change. Mm. And what really threw me off was even near the beginning of this first episode, you know, He Man dies, they come home, they tell the king and queen, who are crying, and the- and Tila's upset that she's the only one that didn't know He Man was Adam. Yeah, she yells at the queen. And she yells at these parents who just lost their son because her because her feelings are hurt. And it really just kind of turned me off. And
0: also the king did not know. He did not. No. He not know. did not. She, the queen apparently knew but the king did not. The last note that I have in this is I I wanted to ask like who is this for? Because if you're going for a new audience, there are some things here. Pringer was like the comic relief. In some ways, there was a fireworks show and Cringer was afraid of it, hiding under a table or something. And um, it seemed playing more to very younger kids. And then he made a skeleton, both die, which would not play to younger kids. Mm. And again, are you... You have to, I think you have to know who your audience is. If you're going for a new audience of kids and maybe their parents watch, then fine. If you want to do an adult cartoon that's for people our age, right, you know, people in their 30s and 40s, then you go for that target. But I think that it didn't know who its audience wanted. And
1: I think that's where the other He-Man remake jumps in.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Right? Did you have the, I don't remember what they called it, I thought it was the Masters of the Universe
0: Yes, so I think um, it's called Masters of the Universe. I just have Netflix reboot It was all, It was
1: also rebooted. It was also done by Netflix around the same time that the Kevin Smith one was. But this one, it's like they decided we want to go for kids, and yeah. that's where they went. All of the characters are brought back. Teela, Adam, Duncan, who's man-at-arms, right? Um, they brought in a few new ones, Crash. Um, cringers there but they're all pretty much kind of children and they have been revamped
0: and you can tell that this is definitely a show that's for like 7 to 10
1: yeah definitely right?
0: The, the kids are a little bit older, kind of. Um, a lot of times they'll do that for what we call middle grade. In mm-hmm. books, it's called middle grade. And then you would have, probably their parents might watch it too. But it's mostly for them. I think um, the computer animation, they did, <laughs> it's a little bit boxy. It looks kind of like an old video game. But that's part of that sort of nostalgic appeal. To yes. me, it was a tiny bit boxy. But um They have a larger emphasis on technology, which I think would also appeal to kids this age. So it starts with Tila, right? And she is trying to break in and steal something. And she has kind of like a digital map that's a mixture between like Again, magic and tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's trying to steal something. You don't know what it is at first. We follow her, and then we see Adam, and he's with...
1: The Tiger Tribe. The Tiger Tribe. Which is run by Cringer, who has no claws. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> we don't know why. And there's a little cub, which is really cute. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the little cub's I name.
1: They, they call them like, Kitty or something. Yeah, but- Kitty.
0: So Kitty... But Tila has magic, and then um, eventually... She has, we realize that she has the sword, Adam gets the sword, he transforms into He-Man, and they f- basically fight the people who are trying to take the tigers. Yeah,
1: and you can tell they're also, whereas some of the other the other He-Man reboot was sort of tor- shooting towards the nostalgic people that grew up with He-Man, but then unfortunately didn't really cater to their thoughts. This one is going for a very young audience, not only in the way it's animated and the fact that they're children, but even it has kind of an anime feel to it. The sort of power is oversized, like a Final yes. Fantasy or anime type of thing. I think
0: Final Fantasy, when I say boxy video game, that's what I'm thinking yes. of. I'm not thinking of like, you know, Mario Brothers. Right, right. But yeah, like a Final Fantasy type of look to it. Um, and I really liked, I thought the voice acting in this was great. I thought that the animation, again, not painterly like the original, but really intricate world building. Mm -hmm. You're in the jungle, you're in this place where Tila's trying to break in, um, really beautiful backgrounds. And I also really liked that, and this was kind of my favorite part, two things, that when Adam takes the sword, he actually has a full transformation. So he yes. goes from this really skinny kid um, who's probably like maybe 13. He really, th- he bulks up and you now his head's a little tidy for yeah. his body. But
1: he becomes a man. He becomes yes. a
0: real man with muscles and stuff. And so it's a much more believable transition that people wouldn't know his secret identity. Love it. I really liked that they had um, some strong female characters, but that it's still He-Man's show. Right? I think that that's kind of cool to see too it
1: it also has a because it's for kids too and i think this is important it has a teamwork feel right Yes. it's not only he-man but then he also could say we have the power and he changes the uh, his friends as well not as powerful as he-man but they're changed as well and
0: there are even here's what i think they did well i think sometimes when shows try to do social justice stuff they Prioritize that over story Mm -hmm. Here we have a little bit Tila talks about how Adam's Accent sounds like it's From the uh, he's an upper Person Mm. and not a street level Person there seems to be some Type of a feudal system but that Exists in this fantasy world right There are kings and queens and Peasants and things like that so um, Showing the disparity But still staying in the world Building and it and having it be part Of the story um, rather than feeling like it's outside of the story. So I think I I really appreciated that, too. But it had kind of a Star Wars vibe. Um, Man of Arms is not Teela's father, so far he as is we can He is not
1: in this. In so this, far as we can He goes tell. by Duncan, and he's about their age. Yes. They've added him to the group. So,
0: unless he's like Merlin and he's aging backwards. Yeah, no. He is not
1: Teela's father. What I will say, too, that I liked about this, kind of on a parting word of this, ep- of this reboot piece, is... Whereas the Kevin Smith reboot, I watched the first episode, and that was it for me. Yeah. I was done, and it left a bad taste in my mouth. This one, even though it's more for kids, we watched the first episode, and then, to be honest, we watched another episode. Yeah, we did. Like we it were, le- I was like, okay, I'll watch more yeah. of this.
0: I actually wanted to watch quite a bit more, and by that point, it was late, and we're like, well, we are old, so we need to go to bed now. But it really, it did, It episode one stops on a cliffhanger, It made me want to watch episode two. Episode two drew me in enough that I wanted to see episode three. I haven't had time yet, but I think that it was... I think it was a good way to take the nostalgia and to use that story in that world, but in a new way. So it felt less like bad fan fiction. Yeah. (laughs) And more like a true rebooting. So... I think that recaps are recaps.
1: So now we get to our grading of juice boxes. Now, we're not going to grade the reboots because we just want to touch on those. But He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the classic cartoon that we all loved and enjoyed. (laughs) We all.
0: All 50% of us loved and enjoyed.
1: And now we we graded the Pop Rocks out of five juice boxes, but this is a little bit more involved. So out of ten juice boxes...
0: Oh, man. How many
1: juice boxes do you give He-Man and the Masters of the Universe?
0: Hmm. I'm kind of between a six and a seven. There are things that I think are ridiculous. So the question, when we rate this, I want to say, the question is, does it hold up, right? Yes. Does it hold up today, and can you enjoy it today even though you're an adult? It's harder to do that with cartoons, so I'll be generous and give it a seven. Am I going to watch it as an adult? No. But can I understand why kids would have liked it? Would I show this to, uh, we don't have kids right now, but would I show this to some kids? Yeah, I think that if you started maybe with episode one, um, with somebody who's, you know, a guy and they're, seven or eight, I think that they would love it. Mm -hmm. And I think that they wouldn't care that, you know, I think that they would think it was funny that he got the storm to go into a hole and they might be a little bit enough afraid of deep dark, but laugh at, you know, when Skeletor is like, Hey man, (laughs) those clips that we've seen. And I think that the, um, if I were watching it with a kid, I would, I would be like, all right, it's not my favorite, but it's not so annoying that I have to leave the room.
1: I I would have to give it seven juice boxes. A a solid seven, I think. You know, it is... it is. There's a few things that glaringly do pop out now that I'm an adult looking back on it. Is it something that I will binge like I would, you know, one of the popular shows we want to watch? No, I'm not going to binge He-Man anymore. Right. Um, But, as you said, it's solid. There is decent stories. The animation is still good looking back on it. I'm going to be honest. The animation it holds up... not more so than some animation i've seen nowadays definitely um and as as you said too the the thought that was going through my mind before you even gave your review was you know when we have children i i would have no problem sitting my kids down in front of this tv show
0: and i think too that the world holds up it's a cool world it's cool characters and that's one of the reasons that people remember it so fondly and one of the reasons that it has been rebooted you know so um so that's it uh seven out of seven juice boxes for from both steve and megan on the same page probably for the first and maybe last last time. time um next so basically our plan for this show is we're going to be rotating so we're going to watch cartoon and then live action and then a movie so next week is our first live action show and we are going to be looking at cheers Which I think is the quintessential show of the 1980s. Where
1: everybody knows your name.
0: Everybody knows your name and hopefully you'll know our name too. And we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Again, my name is Megan.
1: My name is Steve.
0: And we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody.